Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Good morning, everyone. Good morning to our online family and to everyone at Philly Tabernacle. Come on, Chicago, let's say good morning to our family. Hallelujah. We are so excited. It's a new season. It's September. Kids are going back to school. Parents are silently rejoicing and praising God. I remember how much I love September. I don't love the cold, and even a little cold bugs me, but it was so great when life got back to normal. Let me tell you something, this is a season, really this is kind of more of the new year than even the new year, because this is when we start to reset, and I wanna encourage you, whether you're watching online or in Philadelphia, this is a great time to reset. Everybody say reset. What that means is that after the summer season, vacations, doing all of these different things, you're getting back to the normal routines of life. Can I encourage you to start thinking about what your best normal routines ought to be? For example, one of your best normal routines would be to make the prayer meeting, the most important meeting of the week, one of the normal parts of your life the greatest thing that you could do is say, that's not optional for me. I gotta get there as much as I can because the Bible says my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. How many would say amen that's in the Bible? Could we celebrate what's in the word of God? <clears throat> and can I tell you something? Going to the prayer meeting is good for you. It's good for you. It's good for your walk with God. It matures you in the spiritual realm. A lot of us, we don't need maturity in the physical realm. We need maturity in the spiritual realm. Time in the presence of God, concentrated seeking of the face of God will transform your mind, your heart, your life, and your ministry. So I wanna just give a big push um, we're living in a day where people say, well, I, I went to church one time this week and that's more than enough. I wanna challenge that. And I wanna encourage you, come to church on Sunday, bring your children to church. The average child only goes to church once a month or once every five weeks. How many know the world gets them for so many hours? We gotta make sure they don't miss the precious hours of meeting with the children of God, the family of God, getting the word of God. Come on, come on, say amen, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And so it's a new season, make some new decisions and organize your lives around the things that will build you and bring our heavenly Father glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So in this new season, we're starting a new series today out of the book of Mark titled Walking in Power. Walking in Power. The book of Mark is all about Jesus's life of walking in power. It actually skips his birth and starts at his ministry. And before we go into this, 
uh, series, I want to tell you a couple of quick things about the book of Mark. And here's what I want to also say to you. Included in your regular Bible reading, I want you to include reading in the book of Mark. This series will not be verse by verse. I'm going to try to hit the high points of each chapter. There's 16 chapters. We might even cover some of them uh, on our Tuesday night prayer meetings. But try to fill yourself with the book of Mark, the word of God. Let me tell you very quickly a few important things about it. First of all, the book of Mark was addressed to the Roman mind and heart. So, so the gospels were, different, were written for different reasons. This gospel was written specifically to the Roman mind and heart. You know that the Roman Empire was the greatest empire of the time. The preoccupation of the Roman Empire, people in Rome, was glory and power. They were all about what it means to be powerful, the powerful Roman Empire. And because they they focused on the wrong things, it didn't last. We know the rise and fall of the Roman Empire because if you focus on the wrong things, if you live for the wrong things, you will ultimately get crushed and fail. Great question to ask yourself right now, even as we start with the book of Mark, is how do you define uh, a powerful life? What does it mean to live a powerful life? Jesus steps into the scene of history, the Son of God, and he shows that the greatest among you will be the servant of all. He turns power uh, uh, upside down. He turns it on his head by showing that he, through the glory uh, 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 and the strength and and the might of God, he chose to become the servant of all. And he did great things for the glory of God. There's, nothing, there's, there's, there's nonstop healing. There's nonstop touches, touches from, from the, the Son of God. You see Jesus in action all the time. This book was written so you and I uh, could know, could be convinced that we are called to walk in power. You can walk in the spirit and you can walk in power. Jesus became a man just like one of us, identifying with one of us so that we could understand that we can walk in power. You mean little old me? Yes, little old me. In Philadelphia, you can walk in power, but it's not the power of the world, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, Jesus is depicted as the strong servant, which I just mentioned. And thirdly, Jesus is considered to be Peter's eyewitness account of Jesus's life. So Mark was not one of the original 12, but they say, I mean, this is like uh, pretty consistent. All of the commentators believe, and I won't get into all of the background and the story and the relationships, but take it from, from me. I've studied this well, that Mark is basically uh, considered Peter's gospel, okay? And he's telling the, the, he's sharing the gospel through the eyes of Peter. Now I wanna summarize this with my favorite historian's name is Will Durant. And um, I've got a, a, a whole series of volumes and whenever I'm reading about history, he's one of the places that I refer to. And he wrote this quote that I absolutely love. And I wanna read this to you before we get into this. Here's what Will Durant said. He said, 
There's no greater drama in, in, the, in human record than the sight of a few Christians scorned or oppressed by a succession of emperors, bearing all trials with a fierce tenacity, multiplying quietly, building order while their enemies generated chaos, fighting the sword with the word, brutality with hope, and at last defeating the strongest state that history has known. Caesar and Christ had met in the arena, and Christ had won. Could we praise God? Hallelujah. And I want you to know, every battle in history, everyone who stands up in Christ, I don't mean this in a mean way, I mean this in the purest, most loving way possible because Jesus is a God of love. Everyone who has tried to battle with the glory, the majesty, the magnificence of Jesus Christ will lose because he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords in Philly online. Can we put our hands together? Hallelujah. Search it out. Look it out. There is no one like Jesus. No one like Jesus. And so the, the book of Mark is all about Jesus on the move. Jesus in action. He was the suffering servant who crucified, who was crucified. He died and he rose in power. We are here because of resurrection power that's why we're here and that's what keeps us and we can walk in that power and my prayer is that we would so drink in the word of God that we would begin to walk in power anybody here want to walk in power I my prayer is that we would get so close to God that we would begin to walk in power I'm telling you right now Jesus wants to make the quality of your life different he wants to Enable you to walk, not in your strength. Okay, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. But in the strength of the word and of the spirit of the living God. Okay, so now we're going we're gonna to jump right into it. And today, one of the things that we're going to be looking at is how did God choose to reveal and to unfold a life of walking in power in the book of Mark. How do you begin to walk in power? And this might sound a little strange to you in the beginning, but I want you to drink this in deep because this applies to every single person. Okay, this word is for all of us. If you're watching online, please pay attention for the next 20 or 75 minutes, depending how far I go, right? Pay attention. Drink in deep today because this is affecting you whether you recognize it or not. And so how did he begin this ministry? How does the book of Mark start? It begins with the title of this message. It begins with the Father's affirmation. The Father's affirmation. Now, I know that this might seem confusing or like, where are you coming from? But pay attention because this is real. This is deep. This is very, very true to every single one of our lives. So let's read Mark chapter 1, beginning with verse 9. 
Verse nine says, at, the, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Now, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. Let's read this together. You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. This was the father's affirmation before Jesus did anything, before he launches his ministry, the first thing that happened was there was the Father's affirmation. This happened more than once. In Second Peter, by the way, here's the way Peter speaks of this, and here's the way he describes the Word of God. He says, First Peter 1.16 says, We have not depended on, man, uh, on made-up stories, in making known to you the mighty coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. With our own eyes, we saw his greatness. We were there when he was given honor and glory by God the Father, when the voice came to him from the supreme glory saying, this is my own dear son with whom I am pleased. We ourselves heard the voice coming from heaven when we were with him, on the holy mountain. In other words, even a little bit later, Jesus was affirmed again by the heavenly Father. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you see the Trinity in this moment. You see the, the voice of the Father, the coming down of the Spirit, and the Son in the water. But what you're experiencing here is the Father's affirmation, the Father speaking over him. And then when he went to the Mount of Transfiguration, perhaps halfway through, his ministry or a little bit more than that. Once again, uh, uh, it was just uh, uh, John and, and, and Peter. Uh, uh, they were on the mountain. One other one, they were on the mountain and there was a great transfiguration. And once again, uh, uh, Jesus received the Father's affirmation. And you're like, why is this in the Bible? Why is this in the Bible? Well, it's important for us to, to, to know that God did this first. And here's what Andrew Murray said about this. It's not gonna come up as a slide, but here's what Andrew Murray said. Andrew Murray said, Jesus was a son first and a minister second. Jesus was a son first and a minister second. Can I say something to you? That's really, really important. Because God wants to use us in mighty ways, but the truth of the matter is, in order to be used, you have to be a son or daughter first. Whose son are you? Whose daughter are you? This is a very, very important question. Because whoever affirms you, whatever is your source of affirmation, will dictate actually the quality of your life. Affirmation can be positive and affirmation can be negative. And what God says here and what God is showing all of us is that he wants to affirm us even before he uses us. How many would say amen to that? Do you know you're meant to be used by God, but being used by God is not more important to God than, being, uh, close to, than you being close to God? 
You're a son first. You're a daughter first in the eyes of God. And that affirmation is powerful and it makes all of the difference. Now in this story, what was the father's affirmation? It was two things. First, it was an outpouring of his love. Second, it was an outpouring of his spirit. Today, we're only gonna talk about the outpouring of his love. Next week, we'll talk about the outpouring of his spirit. But this is so huge to every human being. Can I tell you, if Jesus was affirmed two times, don't you think that we in this fallen world need to be affirmed by our heavenly father about 2,000 times? This is a big deal. Okay, what is affirmation? Affirmation is a mental and emotional expression of support that empowers us from the inside out. It gives us a confidence and freedom to follow God's voice over all other voices. You see, when God pours out his love upon your heart, what it does is it gives you this internal freedom and strength and confidence. And you can walk in strength and power because you know that you belong. You know that you're claimed. You know that you're loved. We talked a little bit about this a few weeks ago. Even Pastor Josh's powerful message last week about hoping and trusting. How do you hope and trust in a God that you don't even feel like loves you? You've got to receive this, this incredible affirmation that God, could you put that slide back up for me? You gotta receive the incredible affirmation. God wants to make you confident and God wants to make you free. Look, be, uh, 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 so I gave my life to Christ at 17 years old, didn't even go to a church till I was about 18 or 19. Um, but it's so funny, as a grandparent, I've been praying, and I pray this over the babies back there, I pray this over all of our kids, and I say this all the, all the time, I pray this over my grandkids now, okay, because they should get a better start. How many know our children should get a better start than a lot of us did? How many would say amen? <laughs> Christian and I pray this all the time for the grandkids. We say, Lord... May their spirits be strong and may their hearts be free. Where does that come from? It comes from powerful affirmation. Listen to this. The Father's affirmation is God giving you what you need mentally and emotionally so that you can live at peace and in faith. And here's what the Father's affirmation says. Number one, it says, you are forgiven. Everybody say, I am forgiven. <laughs> Hallelujah. How many are thankful we are forgiven? Could we praise God? I am forgiven. Now, if you have hesitancy in your spirit about that, you need the Father's affirmation. 
If you, if you don't feel comfortable saying, yes, I'm forgiven. If you feel the ugly side more than the greatness and the goodness of what Jesus has done, than the power of, the, uh, of, of what Jesus has done when he rose from the dead, when he shed his blood, I'm telling you right now, you are forgiven in Philadelphia. You are forgiven in Chicago. You are forgiven online. Come on, let's praise him. He doesn't hold it against us any longer. Hallelujah. You are forgiven. Secondly, you are wanted. You are claimed. Maybe your mother didn't claim you. Maybe your father didn't claim you. Maybe your coach didn't claim you. Maybe your friends didn't claim you. Maybe you've been rejected by a guy or rejected by a girl. Maybe you're living in the midst of heartbreak. But let me tell you something. You are wanted. You are claimed. He loves you. He wants you. Hallelujah. This is deep. I know it's deep. I know that this is deep, okay? Because let me tell you something. We pastors, we live in the deep stuff of people's lives. So don't be telling us stories because we know this is deep. But I'm telling you right now, God by his Holy Spirit wants to reach today. And he wants to touch you. I'm praying for the deep touch of God today. We're gonna pray in a moment and here's what we're praying for. We're praying for the deep touch of God because you are wanted and that means a lot. It means a great deal. You are wanted. And here's the last thing, you are important. And let me tell you why you're important. You're important because God created you to use you for his glory. God's got important things for you to do. He's got important things for you to say. God wants to use your life. He wants to touch your life and then he wants to use your life so that you could help to set the captive free. So you could help to snatch people out of darkness people who are on their way to destruction. God wants to use you as an agent of freedom, of life, of joy, and peace. Somebody say amen. Come on, let's affirm that, that God wants to use us. And there's nothing more important than that. Everything else will burn away. The trophies, the houses, the bank accounts, it will all burn away. But when you show up with the people that you served, the people that you led to Christ, how many of that's what's going to really count when we stand before Jesus? Hallelujah. It won't be the Nobel Peace Prize that will matter. Okay? What will matter is the way you serve people. Did you serve them into greatness? Did you serve them into light and love and eternal life itself? So look, I wanna pray right now in Philly. Let's pray together. And could we pray? Imagine such a great, such a great opportunity set before you. Imagine such great purpose such great love. Imagine such great relationship and fellowship that you could have with, with the creator of the universe 
You have a front row seat. You have a just walk into the room privilege. You may not have that with the White House or the mayor's office or a lot of different places, but you and I, we can walk into the throne of grace. Hallelujah. We're that loved, we're that wanted, we're that important. And so God wants to use that reality to make you a powerful person. Someone that will bring real glory to God. So come on, let's lift our hands. Everyone online, wherever you are in Philadelphia, let's lift our hands right now. We lift our hands as a sign of surrender, as a sign of faith, as a, like little children who want to hug their, their mom or dad. Today we lift our hands. And Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word today. Your word is quick and powerful. Your word is alive, Lord. Your word is light and life, and we want to receive it deeply. God, I pray for the deep touch of heaven today. God, I pray for the deep touch, oh God. God, I pray that every heart would be released, freed, enabled to receive the Father's affirmation. God, I pray today, Lord God, that your affirmation would replace all unholy affirmation that has taken place in our past. God, I pray, Lord, that anyone that's been marked, oh God, by unholy, ungodly affirmation. God, today is a day of transformation. Today is a day of transition and transaction, oh God. So God, we pray for the deep touch. We want to receive, we want to hear that we're your sons, that we're your daughters, and that you're pleased with us. You're pleased with us. You love us and you have a plan for us. Not because we're perfect. Your son took care of that. But because of how you see, Lord, how valuable we are and how much you really are going to use us. Do all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Come on, let's clap to Jesus for a few moments. Hallelujah. Affirmation will determine motivation. Whatever affirms you, good or bad, I'm telling you right now, it will impact your motivations. And so what I want to do first is I want to talk about the wrong affirmation. And I want to say this to you. This is very, very important. And by the way, if you're a parent or if you want to be a great friend, if you want to be a very helpful per uh, person, all of these things are important because what, when, when God affirms you, he wants to affirm you so that you will become an affirming person. Why? Because affirmation is powerful. And so the first thing that we have to understand is this. The wrong affirmation leads to weakness and addiction. The wrong affirmation will lead to weakness and sometimes even addiction. Many people have grown up with the wrong affirmation. Many of us. Okay? Many of us were, were influenced by such wrong, stinking thinking. Okay? The way I would describe this is like uh, when we order Indian food, 
My wife calls. We get Indian food probably once a week. She gets, she, she gets mild. I get medium. I can't handle spicy, too spicy. But affirmation, positive or negative, could be sort of like that. It could be like mild or medium or spicy. By spicy, I mean super intense. And I'm using a, a light illustration to talk about something very serious. Okay, in other words, some people, maybe you grew up in a pretty well-adjusted home. Um, it wasn't all right, and there were certain things in your home that were not, there were some affirmations that were not so good, some good, some not so good. And so the impact of affirmation, let's say, is mild in a sense. Now, our sinful nature, our fallen nature requires a transformation of heart, no matter, even if you grew up in a, in, a, in a mild affirmation context, how many know we still need Jesus because even mild affirmation will lead us astray? Okay? Some, it's medium. Some, there was a lot of good. There were some things not so good. And then some, it's very intense. Like some people, there's a, they almost walk around broken on the inside because of how intense. They, they grew up in abusive homes. They grew up in, in such profound distortion that it's almost crippling on the inside. And it was the wrong affirmation. There were just all of these like things that were really, really messed up. And, and what happens is, like for example, I've noticed that in, on the intense side, I've noticed that sometimes people are all messed up in their heart because of the intensity of abuse that they grew up in, or even sometimes people who grew up in a religious environments, but that were really warped. I find they struggle even more than someone who's, who was like horrendously abused. And here's why. Part of the reason why is because when people come from pure darkness, right, and they know it, and they meet the Lord of light and glory, the, the Prince of Peace, a lot of times it's their faith says, I can receive the love of God and the goodness of God without confusion. That was really, really wrong. And Jesus is really, really good and really, really right. And they embrace him. And that's why you hear these stories of someone who was so down and out, so dark, so lost, so taken advantage of. And then they walk in freedom and victory is because they can receive. But some people, when they grow up and like, like uh, Christy and I had a friend, we, we, we met her in Omaha. Her dad was was like, he was so like whacked out. He would read the Bible, cry over the scriptures. He would beat her mother. He would mess around with women. And she was so confused. And then when it came to the things of God, she couldn't drink in because she had heard God, but it was mixed with such an ugly, poor example that it created confusion. This is deep stuff. This is very, very important for us to receive deeply. So I, I wanna just take a few moments. That's why I wanna, we're gonna run to the altar at the end of this service. But I'm gonna be giving some examples. Look, let me give you quick before I, I lay out just a, a, a few different categories of this. Let's take, um, let's take parents who are always defending their kids. 
especially boys. You know, when you, when you defend a, a boy's bad behavior, so they're doing wrong, but don't be messing with my boy and don't this and don't that because they're doing wrong. Let me tell you what's the worst thing. I've watched this, right? It's not just that you're teaching them it's okay, they have a license to do wrong. You know what's even worse than that? What's worse than that is that you're saying to that boy, I don't have the confidence that you have the strength to do right. I don't have the confidence, you know? That's why I'm so grateful for coaches, you know? So I'm just so grateful for coaches. I used to watch this. I used to watch a coach get on a guy's case and the guy didn't have a dad at home. He didn't have this. And the guy would start smiling while the coach was rebuking him. Why would he start smiling? He's, he was saying, somebody believes I could do this right. This is deep, guys. You need to pay attention today. You need to pay attention because some people have been crushed. Not just by teaching that wrong is right and right is wrong. That's horrible. But what's even worse is that you believe you grew up with a perspective that says you can't do right. You're too weak to do right. That will crush a man a million times more than just about anything else. So, wow, it's quiet in the house. Is it quiet in Philly? Let's go. So let's talk about this just a little bit more very quickly here. See, what the wrong affirmation does is the wrong affirmation causes us to embrace lies. The wrong affirmation causes us to embrace lies. And I want to give you a couple of examples of this. I can't cover it all. Today I prayed, Holy Spirit, you've got to fill in all the gaps. There's too many of these, but I want to just give some examples today that are vitally important. So let's say there's, we're going to call this diminishing affirmation. That means that somebody is confirming, affirming that you are less than valuable. So as we were talking about this, I heard about someone on staff, uh, their wife, when they were in like 10 years old, there was a boy in the class and the boy in the class was like a clown. And he's always joking, always, you know, we all know about the class clown. And the teacher got so frustrated, so upset, not understanding why is this boy doing that? This boy is probably doing that because there's things bugging him and he has to make a joke all the time. So he's hiding. Can't you see he's hiding? He's masking. Can't you see he needs the right kind of affirmation and he's learned that if he makes people laugh, people like him. Don't you see he wants to be liked? But instead, she got so frustrated that she said, you want to be a clown? You want to be a clown? Okay, everyone in the class, just start laughing at him. And they all went, ha, ha, ha. And they just, come on, do it some more. And the little boy got under the chair. This is a true story. And he just swept under his desk. That's an example of diminishing affirmation. And those things mark people deeply. You know, a father who never says you're beautiful to his daughter. A father who just can't say, you know, uh, uh, nice things to his wife or his kids. And, and, the, and everybody around is starving for positive affirmation. These things confirm the wrong sense of identity. This is a big deal. Let me keep going. Immoral affirmation. 
When I was growing up, at least in my whacked out, crooked neighborhood, the affirmation was be two things, be tough and be a womanizer. Okay? Be tough and be a womanizer. And, the, and it was celebrated. It was celebrated. If you're tough, if you're a womanizer, then you're cool, then you're this. Be tough, be a womanizer. And, there were, and, and, and women were deme- uh, demeaned and objectified and it didn't matter. And, and now there's all kinds of other, other sorts of identity issues that are being pushed today. And I want to say this with, with real delicacy Okay, but I want to I want to talk to all of you parents and even college students. Listen to this. The world should not be setting your sense of right and wrong. Okay? So look. As a Christian minister and as someone who grew up in in a city in the world and saw everything, do I believe that, um, that uh, uh, people who, were, who chose to be gay or were gay, whatever it is, do I believe that, especially when I was a kid, do I believe they were taken advantage of, they were uh, um, um, mistreated and all of the above? Yes. Do I believe that guys were, were taught to be harsh and cruel to guys who were, were homosexuals? Yes, I do believe that. And, I, and when, I, when I got into the ministry or when I first got saved and I went out to the West Side Ministry and I heard literally just story after story of, of abuse, of shame, of hurt and pain, it completely changed my perspective. And when I, when I looked at them, I looked at them totally different. And yes, the, all of that is true. But just because that is true, just because there are people that have been so mean and malicious to the gay community, that does not mean that now the gay community has the right to tell us that we should be telling our four-year-old and talking to them all about, uh, about homosexuality. I don't say this from a heart of hate. Jesus loves everybody. I'm no better than anybody else. But let me tell you something. We as Christian parents have the right to teach our kids at our, at, at our prescribed stage and time to talk about things that we want to talk to them about. The government doesn't have the right. The world doesn't have the right. And schools do not have the right. You know, I rarely go there, and I don't ever want to come across as being somebody who dishonors people in leadership. But let me tell you something. Wrong is wrong. Okay? And you are wrong. See, I personally don't believe. This is, every, this is a free country, right? So here's what I believe. I believe that we don't get to identify based on what we want. Here's why. It's because the Bible says in the book of Genesis... It says that he made them male and female in the image of God. We have already been identified by our heavenly father. And I think God's identifying of us is the best. It's the purest, it's the most loving, it's the most kind. Now does that diminish the depth 
of conflict and challenge and struggle. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. And if anybody knows my testimony, you know I'm not doing that. So that's not what this moment is about. What I'm trying to say, though, is that we have to pay attention to the messages that are moving forward in this world. Okay? These are dark days just like the Roman Empire. In the Roman Empire, the, the people in power were taking advantage of little boys. Okay, and Christians were the ones who stood up and said, that is not right. They gave their very lives for the difference between right and wrong. They stood up for the truth. Christians can walk in power and stand for the truth. Could somebody say amen? And you don't have to be angry and you don't have to get ugly. You can stay loving. A couple more, because uh, we gotta, we got to get to the good part, right? Look, there's vindictive affirmation. Some of us grew up in families that say, we never forgive and we always pay people back. If that's in your, if that's in your root system, I'm telling you right now, if that was emphasized, 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 you need to open up your heart because that's not the way your heavenly father is. They could send me a, a keyboard player. Listen, there's absentee affirmation. There's an affirmation that comes from, from empty space. And it's negative. That means when a dad is not present, He's not emotionally present. He never communicates things. That silence says you're not important. That silence says you're not loved. That silence says you're not valuable. Okay? We need to pray, especially for men. We need to pray. God has to make us communicators because God is a communicator. The Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue. You've got to be able to affirm people. And if you're someone who was so broken down and so put down that you don't know how to affirm people in Philadelphia, I'm telling you right now, today is a new day. The spirit of the living God wants to touch you so that you can speak life. You can speak life. You can say nice things and kind things. You can say the right things. God wants us to be vocal people, people who speak love and life. Can somebody please say amen to that? Amen. Hallelujah. This is a big deal. It's a big deal to be able to say I love you. It's a big deal to say, uh, uh, um, honey, you look beautiful, or, or that was great, or you know what? This is what's special about you, son. This is what's special about you, my daughter. You're already special. If we're going to raise up the next spirit-filled generation, if we're going to be people that walk in power, we have to speak life. Help us, Jesus. 
One more misdirected affirmation means that we might, like for example, um, this is another thing for boys. It's like, so you take your kid, your kid joins a team and um, he strikes out, misses the ball, all that. And you're going, great job! Great job! What a winner! Can I tell you what the little boy is doing? He's like, how in the world could that be a great job? You might say, good try! But don't say great job. Don't flatter. You understand? It's misdirected. It's not helpful. It's like, I, I laugh, you know, watching kids now go, when, when someone, a kid does something and it's really, really wrong, and people are going, great job! And the kid is like, are you crazy? But after a while, they start to believe it. And then they're all confused. Okay? It's better to say good try than great job. You know? I, look, I've seen this. I gotta say this fast. I've seen this. I've seen kids, and I'm, I'm talking a lot about boys. I'll talk about women another day, but I'm, I'm like, I'm in my own head like I'm a man, so I'm sorry, all right? So, uh, not sorry, but you get what I mean. So, so, like, I've seen kids get so protected that they end up addicts. And it's because, going back to that initial illustration, they feel like their parents think they're so incompetent that they always have to be protected instead of I could stand on my own two feet, you know? And it's so funny being a grandparent because um, uh, when you're a grandparent, you just want to protect. I've literally watched Susie, my oldest daughter, something happened with one of the kids and I want to jump and save the day and she'd be like cooking whatever. She's, she's like, oh, just do whatever. And I'm like, <gasps> and the Lord reminds me, be quiet. She's right. That's a man in the making. He can handle that. You see? This is a big deal. Or if we, you gotta be successful, you gotta be successful, you gotta be successful, you gotta be successful. And then they focus all of their energy on being successful and powerful and they end up empty. Let me read this real quickly to you. This was, the, the, this was by a, a quote from the founder of uh, Airbnb. Listen to this. Uh, do we have, I'm gonna be, Air, as Airbnb's popularity and growth soared, Chesky, this was Brian Chesky, he said he didn't feel successful and thought taking the company public would help. But when the IPO occurred in December of 2020 with its opening valuation of 47 billion, rising to 86.5 billion in less than a day, Chesky didn't feel happy, satisfied, or even relieved. It marked one of the saddest periods of his life. Next slide. Is that it? Yeah, here we go. 
Look at what he said. I feel like a lot of us try to climb a mountain because we feel like when we get to the top of that mountain, something will be filled inside of us. Some of the most difficult periods in people's lives aren't when they fail, but when they get to the top of that mountain and realize that they don't feel any different. Yes, let's be successful. Let's accomplish great things. But how many know success is not everything? Okay, listen, being godly, bringing him glory, now that's everything. And you'll have joy and peace. Hallelujah. So real quickly, I want you to keep this chart in your mind. All right, I want you to put this visual in your mind. Next slide, look. The right affirmation, which is based on truth, which helps people to walk in clarity, it leads to freedom and power, okay? The wrong affirmation, which is based on lies, things that are not true, it creates confusion and it leads to addiction and weakness, okay? We have to understand this is why the Word of God is so important, and this is why living, speaking the Word of God and being an affirming person, an affirming church, an affirming community, affirming families is so important, okay? So let me close now as we get to the last point. So we talked about the wrong affirmation, but let me just say, parents, pay attention. We've got to affirm our children well, okay? So listen, now, the right affirmation leads to freedom and power. The right affirmation leads to freedom and power. Listen to this quote by N.T. Wright. He says, it happens all the time in families, businesses all over. Many children grow up in our world who have never had a father say to them, in either words, in looks, or in hugs, you are my dear child, let alone I'm pleased with you. In the Western world, even those fathers who think this in their hearts are often too tongue-tied or embarrassed to tell their children how delighted they are with them. Many, alas, go by the completely opposite route, angry voices, bitter rejection, slamming doors. The whole Christian gospel could be summed up in this point, that when the living God looks at us, at every baptized and believing Christian, he says to us what he said to Jesus on that day. He said, you are my son. He said, you are my daughter. And with you, I am well pleased. How many receive the affirmation in Philadelphia? Receive that affirmation. Hallelujah. This is your pathway to freedom. This is your pathway to walking in power. In other words, you might say, my life is so messed up. Receive the Father's affirmation. And when you receive the Father's affirmation, you start to walk in faith. You start to walk in victory. You don't walk over what's spoken over you by the world. You walk over what's spoken over you by your heavenly Father. And victory is yours. There's victory in Jesus. You'll find victory, victory, victory. Okay, he claimed him and he declared his pleasure of him. Affirmation is supposed to replace the father's affirmation 
the heavenly affirmation. This is why Jesus is the most important figure in the whole universe, okay? Because only the heavenly Father's affirmation can replace all of the wrong affirmation, the lost affirmation. Only the Holy Spirit can speak deep inside of our soul and he can cut it away and wash it away and say, I love you and I'm pleased with you. How many know that our God is an awesome God because he can reach our hearts, hallelujah. Let him reach your heart today. Let the Lord reach your heart today. Let him go deeper than what your father said. Let him go deeper than what that teacher said. Let him go deeper what that man did or that woman did. We're here to receive the affirmation of the father. Do it by your mighty power, Lord. So listen, God wants to claim you. I'm almost done here. Listen to this, Isaiah 43. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, and Jacob was a trickster. Jacob was a, was a, was a, a bit of a con guy. But he, he chooses us as we are. He loves us in our imperfection. And then he leads us as we walk in his strength and power. We're transformed. He says, he who formed you, Israel. He went from Jacob to Israel. Israel means he prevailed with God. He says, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I've paid for all of the messed up stuff you've done. I paid the price. You're good because you're good with me. How many are thankful? We're good in Philadelphia with Jesus. And listen to this. I've summoned you by name. You are mine. First John 1 First uh, John 3 says this, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Come on, let's read this together in Philadelphia too, ready? And that is what we are, hallelujah. Come on, let's praise them, hallelujah. God wants to affirm you. And when you receive the affirmation of God, here's what happens. You break agreement with the wrong affirmations.